Amen. Thank you, Brother Terry. I don't have the Lord told you that. That's my favorite, one of my favorite songs, Haven or Rest. It's good to be here today uh, with you good people at uh, Mount View Baptist Church, Diane. Uh, we've been coming for a few times, and some of y'all recognize us, I guess, by my face, but I don't know our name, but I don't know your names either. So I can say a lot about you this morning. Take your Bible this morning. <laughs> Take your Bible and find the book of Joshua in chapter 1. And um, I'm going to give you a few things about uh, chapter 1. About uh, We're going to actually have a lesson this morning. It's not going to be a rareback and um, preaching face type sermon, but a, a lesson on geography. And you find it right in the Bible here. And uh, based on what Brother Sammy has been preaching and, and uh, leading you as his pastor and, and the shepherd of this church, then... Um, that's how the Lord kind of directed me to this book. And you got your new church here going to begin here in about a month and a half. And um, everybody needs to be serving. And everybody needs a place to serve. And I know that this church has a place for you to serve. If you will just submit yourself to the Lord, first of all, that's what you got to do. Submit yourself to the Lord and say, Lord, I'll, I'll serve. I'll work anywhere there's a place for me to work. And, um, and be glad to do it. And God will bless you your life. And why he's blessing, he'll bless other people. I remember a guy that I didn't know personally, but uh, Dr. Anderson up in Indiana, he, uh, he was a medical doctor. And uh, a lot of people knew him, a lot of people used him. And he gave his life to Christ many years ago. And he went to a church that had about 30,000 members, total members. And he went to the pastor and he said, I want to serve. I want to serve and this church, what, what, anything you got I can do. And they brought him in and said, well, right now, Dr. Anderson, the only thing you, that we can uh, use you right now is, is cleaning the restrooms. And he said, I don't care if it's cleaning the restrooms or saying what it is. I want to serve the Lord. And, folks, that's a sign of what 2 Corinthians five seventeen says to me, that when we give our life to Christ, we become a new creature. If any person be in Christ, he's a new creature. And old things pass away and, and new things come about, which means that our old desires are gone. I mean, we're still in the flesh. But now we have the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God to direct our lives and to overcome those old desires and old thoughts and give us new desires and new thoughts. And I tell you, when I gave my life to Christ, a change took place in my life. And I couldn't learn enough of the Bible. Now I'm thinking between the eyebrows, but I began to learn, Brother Kyle, some things over, over a period of time. I've been saved about 40-some-odd 40, uh, 40 years. And, um, and I, I just, I wanted to do everything in the church, any job they had. Now, I didn't say I was qualified, but God gave me a desire to serve, Brother Kyle. And that's what God will do to you if you know him. If you know him as your Lord and Savior, then he's put a new desire in your heart to serve, wherever you can serve. And God says this, this is what the Lord Jesus said. If you, if you just give a cup of cold water in my name, you'll be remembered. You hear that? If you just give a cup of water, cup of water in my name, it'll be remembered. So whatever you do for the Lord, it's recorded in heaven. And God one day rewards you. And so let's get to the lesson this morning. And um, we want to title this, this lesson, if you will, or a sermon, however you want to describe it this morning, as moving, moving from the average, as an average Christian, to excelling in, Christian, in your Christian life. Or uh, the word average can be... Uh, you can use the word mediocre, or you can use the word satisfied. Now, one of the most dangerous things that can happen in your life today as a Christian is become satisfied. You cannot become satisfied as a Christian. God wants us to be advancing all times, advancing toward the enemy with the gospel, taking the word of God to those who don't know him. But advance at all times in your life. 
is don't ever come to a point where that you get satisfied. Because when you do that, you get complacent. And you don't come to a place where you level off. You start going backwards. You know why I know that? Because it happened to me. Because I'm human just like you. And so let's look a few moments here at the Scripture and, um, and try to get out here in time. Uh, but you can go home and eat supper tonight. <laughs> Brother Sammy told me when to quit, Brother Kyle, so I'm going to try to do that this morning. In fact, I better pull my watch off. Or we won't get on here. He's, he's already got a clock up here. Okay. All right. The series, uh, if you were going to do a series, I know Brother Sammy has through the years, has done the book of Joshua, and maybe on Sunday morning or on Sunday night in South Church training. But the book of Joshua is a tremendous book. It's a tremendous book for you just to pick up and read. And it reads like an action novel. And uh, there's a lot of things there. It gives us uh, promises. And, uh, you know, when you read this, you see that uh, just as you see these people, these Israelites, there are thousands of Christians today who are content to be uh, just uh, average, just to be average. And they seldom enter into uh, that joy of, of uh, uh, enjoying a spiritual success in their life because of that. Now, some of it may be because of a lack of uh, uh, Bible knowledge, but you can't let that hold you back. You're not going to grow overnight. Just when I got saved, I want to grow overnight, and I found you can't grow it all overnight. You're always in that ever-learning process while you're in this world. And God's letting you go through experiences to build you and to prepare you for the next leg of your journey. And so the book of Joshua, you know, it begins after the, uh, the children of Israel have come out of Egypt. And they've been in Egypt for 400 years. But uh, Joshua begins after, after the 40-year journey and the wilderness. And so let's pick up chapter 1 and verse 1. Now, after the death of Moses... The servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given to you, as I said unto Moses." From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast, which is uh, to the west, the great sea, the Mediterranean Sea. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage." For unto this people shalt thou divide for inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass to the host and command the people, saying, Prepare your victuals, for in three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go and to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess. Let's pray. Lord, this morning we pray now the blessing upon the reading of your word and upon the words that's fixed to be spoken. 
And I pray, God, your Holy Spirit, as you speak to us as individuals and as a church, that we would respond in a positive way, that we may bring honor and glory to your name. So in your name we pray. Amen. Now, we said that it's going to be a lesson of geography. And, um, you know, we said that this book is like a, reading a, 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 a novel, an action novel. And, um, but it's much more than just reading historical facts. You know, you can pick up a newspaper, you can pick up a book at home and read about historical facts, and you can gain knowledge. But this is more than knowledge. This tends to help you spiritually when you apply it uh, to your life. And so every believer, listen, every believer, I don't care what your age is or how long you've been saved or have not, every believer can grow to a point in their life where you can be a spiritual giant for Jesus. You really can. But you've got to believe God can do it through you. You've got to believe that when God speaks to you through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, He uh, comes along as your helper to help you do those things, that you can do those things because God has told you you can do it and He's told us to do those things. And so don't be a, a person that's afraid to step out by faith and do what God says to do. Well, we see here that uh, uh, it's possible for every believer to enter Canaan. I want you to remember that word Canaan this morning because I know you heard much about that from Brother Sammy. But living in Canaan is a different level of Christian living. When you get in Canaan, you begin to learn to live a victorious life in Jesus. Doing the things that He's commanded and instructed us to do. And so some people, they have all kinds of names for it, you know, uh, about uh, victorious living. But whatever you call it, it is living out your life for Jesus. What He's intended for your life here on this side of glory. And so we're going to look at a lesson of geography here. And um, the entire experience of the Israelites is really a gigantic object lesson. And so if you had a map this morning you could put up of the Middle East, or maybe you would find a map in the back of your Bible, that uh, we're going to look at some areas on that map. And we're going to start with Egypt. And then we're going to go to the Exodus, and we're going to go through the wilderness, and then to Canaan, and then to uh, Kadesh Barnea. And all of those five things represent something. They represent something to those Israelites, and they represent something to you and me in our Christian life today. And so I want you to pay close attention this morning. In 1 Corinthians 10 and 11, just for a moment, Paul said these things about these Old Testament facts. He said, These things happened to them, the Exodus story that is, as examples and were written down as warning for us, on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. And so he set a pattern. We see a pattern. We read the book of Joshua. And it's really the nose, plain as the nose on your face. You cannot miss it if you open your eyes and read and ask God to help you to understand these great truths. Now, we said we are going to start with, with a map, and I want you to find Egypt in your mind this morning, of, of the things you may know about Egypt. But Egypt means in the Bible, it represents being lost and in bondage. Now, when you read the, in the Old Testament, you read where that the Israelites spent 400 years in Egypt, down in Egypt. There again, that word down means regressing. You see, when you're an unbeliever, I mean, even a Christian, when you don't believe the word, you're going to go down. You're going to regress. And you need to be progressing instead of regressing in your Christian life. And churches, all kinds of churches get in trouble doing these things. Whereas there's Joseph who's been taken into Egypt, and later on he has his family come down into Egypt. Well, he, uh, well Joseph was a righteous man. He was a godly man. He believed God, and he blessed the, 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 the country of Egypt. In fact, he became, uh, you might say, second control, uh, control uh, behind the Pharaoh. But all those years passed. Now Pharaoh comes about, 
They don't know who Joseph was. He's never heard of his God, if you will. And the children of Israel now have been reduced to slavery. Slavery. You read the, uh, the book, the Old Testament there, and it tells you the, the pain and the labor and, and the backaches and the heartaches uh, that they suffered for being down in Egypt. And so it's a, it's a, it means lost and in bondage. They were in bondage to the Pharaoh. He was their taskmaster. They were in bondage to him. And so at every time, in each one of our lives today, those of us who are saved, at one time or other, you and I were in bondage, weren't we? We were in bondage, what the Bible says. We were in bondage. We were slaves to Satan. Satan was our taskmaster. Satan was our master. And when you gave your life to Christ, then you came out. And you, you gained a new taskmaster. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that a, a slave owner, if you will, or a taskmaster, that he has, uh, he has things that he has to make sure that he fulfills in your life? One, he watches your health care. One, he makes sure you're fed. One, he makes sure you have a place to lay your head and all those things. And you can be assured that those Israelites, they had those things because their taskmaster, Pharaoh, he wanted all these pyramids built and all these things got built during those days. And so when you came to Jesus, he gave us things. He's responsible for all those things that we, that we have today. And He gives them to us as we need those things. And so the Bible says that uh, in 2 Peter 3 and 9, Peter wrote about those who were in bondage. Those who come out of, out of bondage and, and became uh, bond service, if you would, of the Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Peter 3 and 9, he talks about those who were lost. He says that He is not wanting that anyone should perish. Christ doesn't want anyone to perish, but He wants everyone, everyone to come Unto repentance. Repentance means to turn. In this case, it means to turn from who you're serving. It means to have a change of mind who Jesus really is. He is the only begotten Son of God. He is the unique one. He's, only, he's unique because He's the only sinless one that could be the Savior of mankind. And so there's the, there's the Egypt those lost in their sins, those there, there because of unbelief, because of doubt. Then it takes us to the Exodus. God heard the cries of all those Israelites who have been praying every night. God, get us out under this Pharaoh. Get us out under this bondage. And God heard their prayers, and so He called out a man by the name of Moses. And He said, Moses, I'm going, you're going to lead my people out of Egypt. And you're going to go to the Pharaoh, and you're going to tell them, let my people go. You know the story behind all that. And so the exodus takes place. Now the word exodus here, it represents deliverance. Deliverance. Now from the word deliverance, we get our word salvation. If we're saved today, we say we have received salvation. And so really it would be proper to say we have received deliverance. We have received deliverance from Satan, who is our master. And now Jesus is our master. He's delivered us. And so something uh, supernatural took place. God used a supernatural solution to deliver His people from bondage. And the, He told Moses, go take an innocent lamb. Remember that? Go take an innocent lamb, cut his throat, take the blood, and put it on the doorpost and the lintels of the door. And when the death angel passes over, he'll pass over you. And so when did our exodus take place? 
We were in bondage. We were lost without Jesus. And Christ came this world. And he, he shed His blood. And He died on Calvary's cross. He was resurrected. And His blood is applied to our hearts, to the sins. And primarily the sin of unbelief in Jesus Christ. You see, that's the sin that keeps you out of hell. The unbelief in Jesus Christ. And so we have experienced our deliverance, our salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt. And when you talk about uh, the book of Joshua, and you talk about redemption, we see the word redemption. And in, in the word redemption, there has to be a coming out and a going into. Amen? A coming out of bondage and going into salvation. And we've all experienced that through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now in John chapter 1, verse 29, there's John the Baptist. He's standing in the river Jordan. He's baptizing people, but he's baptizing people unto the repentance of John. And there comes Jesus. And he's standing in the line there at the Jordan. And the Bible says that John looks up and he sees the Lord Jesus. What's he say? Behold, the Son of God who comes to take away the sin. Not sins, not sins, but the sin of the world. The sin of the world is unbelief. Unbelief in Christ. And that's why people are perishing because they don't know Jesus in the free pardon of sin. And so he takes them out of Egypt, which is a picture of a person leaving the bundle of sin and to salvation. And he offers them a free gift. Romans 6, 23, for the weight of sin is death. But the gift, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How simple it is. Jesus offers you a gift. He doesn't tell you you had to come to church today and put a hundred dollar bill on the plate to receive salvation. Or you've got to memorize the first five books of the Bible. Or you've got to make so many visits and contacts this week to be saved. He doesn't say it at all. Because salvation is free to us. It cost Him a great price, didn't it? It cost Father God a great price. His Son's life. But he's called us out and given us a free gift. Now, the, when they crossed the Red Sea, they come out of Egypt. We see a great experience there. And that's a picture of Christian baptism, if you will. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 1 and 2, Paul said, Our forefathers were all under the cloud, and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. That leads us now. They've come out of bondage. They've come out of Egypt. They've They've uh, made their exit, their exodus out of, out of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea, and now they're into the wilderness. That's your next stop on the map, wilderness. Now, that word wilderness to us Christians represents immaturity, spiritual immaturity. And, uh, you know, when you first come to Christ, you are immature, aren't you? And that's what we find there. They, they cross the sea, and um, at Mount Sinai, we see that's where God gave them the Ten Commandments. But not only did he give him the Ten Commandments, he taught him how to worship God there also, which is very important. But when you became a Christian, you were an immature Christian. You are like a baby being born in this world. That's what the Bible says. And you had to be uh, cleansed by your mama or dad. You had to be nourished, had to be fed, had to have your diaper changed. All those things we do, babies, until they grow up to an adolescent stage where they can do some things for themselves and then hopefully grow up being an adult. So that's why the Christian life is in we come to Jesus, we're a baby, newborn baby and Lord. We come to church, the Mount View Baptist Church, where you've got great leaders here, Brother Sam and those who have. Great teaching, great music. And you begin to grow. You're growing, you don't know it. You don't realize you're growing. 
until you go back to the day that you gave your life to Christ and <laughs> you begin to think of things, the things that you've learned. Um, come to church every time the door is open. But taking your Sunday school lesson and reading every day of the week, what you're prepared when Sunday comes, you can have part in the lesson and learn. Taking notes and preaching when Sammy preaches to you or teaches and apply them to your lives. You grow. You're like a child growing right before the eyes of God. And so the Lord, He wants us to, He wants it to be functional, to be functional. Now listen, a mature Christian is functional. He or she has a part in the church doing something, okay? Doing something. Now, there are others who fall in the category of dysfunctional Christians. A dysfunctional Christian is one who is still immature. It may be because you're a newborn Christian, or it may be because that you've been saved a long time, and you decide you're not going to do anything. A lot of folks are like that. But I'm telling you, you're missing out on some great blessings that God has for you. God has blessings for you. And not only does He want to bless you, but He blesses other people through you. You know, the longer you live as a Christian, the more you do for the Lord, the more you share Christ and all those things that God lets you do, there are going to be people going to come up to you in your lifetime. And they're going to come to you and tell you, say, well, Brother Richard or Brother Kyle or whoever you are, I've been watching your life. And I've come to a conclusion that you really do love Jesus. Because I watch your life. I was telling Brother Cal about a man that I used to go visit his home uh, just about every other week in church. I'd say this was a number of years ago. And he would say, well, Richard, he said, I, I agree with everything that you're telling me from that Bible, but I'm just not ready to give my life to Christ. I said, what's keeping you from giving your life to Christ? Well, I like to drink, and I like to run around, and I do all these things, and I just know I can't be a Christian and do that. Well, several years after that, I was at a gas station one morning, and he pulled up in his car and got out, and he saw me over, and he came running over to me. He said, Brother Richard, he said, I want to share something with you. He said, I just want you to know that all those times you come to my house and begged me to come to Jesus, I gave my life to Christ last week. He said, I thought about it when I gave my life to Christ, those times that Brother Richard came to, came to visit me. You see, they don't forget. God uses your words that you speak to them. He uses your encouragement. He uses your prayers in their life. Many times to bring them to Jesus. And so the Lord, He wants us to be functional Christians. He wants everybody in this church as a member to be a, a member, not only a member, but a serving member somewhere in the church. Let me say this too before you go any further. Brother Sam didn't give me $20 to say that, okay? He didn't even know what I was going to preach on, so don't blame us on Brother Samuel, okay? But we're all just alike. We're all just, we're human. We have the human side. We have God in us. But we have the human side too. And we, learn, we have to learn how to let God have His way in our life. And you do that by submitting your will, your will unto His will. You've got to do that. That's where humbleness comes from. Until you're willing, and I'm willing to humble ourselves, to submit ourselves unto God, we'll never be a humble Christian. And we'll never do the things that God intends for us to do. And so He wants us to move from being an average or satisfied Christian to one who's excelling in victorious Christian life. But that brings us to Canaan. To Canaan. And in Canaan, that word Canaan means victorious Christian life. That's what it means. When you get your Canaan, then you should begin to enjoy the victory of being a Christian in Christ. And so unfortunately, many Christians have been misinformed of what that word means. Or what that phrase says in verse 2. He said, you're going to cross Jordan. And because of that, we've had many people who have... Uh, mistakenly written songs 
referring to Canaan as heaven. Listen, folks, Canaan is not heaven, okay? Canaan is not heaven. And, you, you know, we got some old songs we sing, and, and I've sang them in the past, and, and I guess I did do it out of habit when I sing some of these churches that use some of these old church books, and, and they'll start singing that song, Brother Terry, and I just sang the words because I don't want to be left out by myself, you know. But I think about that. Why am I singing this? This is not in biblical. But Canaan. You know, let me say this, that uh, songwriters, I praise the Lord for songwriters. And I sat there this morning, Brother Terry and Brother Kyle and all this music, and, and I got to think about preaching one time on what's the great size of a great church, and one of them is music. You've got to have great music, and you've got good music here. And that's a sign of a great church, a great New Testament church. And I praise the Lord for that. But Paul said this about inspiration. The songs, the, the songs and the hymns, they're not necessarily inspired. They're not inspired, but the Word of God is inspired. That's what Paul said in 2 Timothy 3 and 16. For all Scripture is inspired of God. It's given by God. Your Bible that you hold in your hand is God's Word. And all you, that's all you know about God is what's in that book. It's in the inspired Word of God. And so people who write songs do other things. Most of your songs are biblical, but sometimes you get one that's not biblical, and just be careful what you sing. And so, you know, we said heaven, or Canaan doesn't represent heaven. As one guy said, you don't have to go through a cemetery to get to heaven, amen? The Lord may come back today, you may not have to die, amen? That's what I'm looking for, that Jesus comes today and takes the church out of here. But then again, it may be a hundred years later. We don't know, because we're on God's clock, not our own clock. Well, we know the Bible also teaches that, that um, in heaven there's no warfare. When these people got into Canaan, they had warfare. There was all kinds of things going on. It wasn't this perfect peace. In heaven, there'd be no warfare. And so Canaan has to represent victorious Christian life. It's a place of blessing, but also it's, it's a place of grace. It's a place of... Uh, a blessing and grace, but, you know, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 3, and verse 10 and 11, I'll just read a portion of it. A land flowing milk and honey, he's talking about Canaan, with large flourishing cities you did not see build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then you will eat and be satisfied. He's talking about Canaan. He's talking about heaven. Canaan. And so, when those people... When those Israelites came out of Egypt through the Exodus and they got into the wilderness around Mount Sinai, the wilderness became a place of boredom. They were bored to death with nothing to do. Can you imagine finding yourself in the desert in the Middle East and you're just out there in a tent, no air conditioning, <laughs> no cars, but have camel to ride. Because boring. It's a place, the wilderness is a place of boredom, of boredom and, and, um, uh, and restlessness. But when they finally got to Canaan, Canaan became a place of excitement. It became a place of satisfaction because God had promised them. That was their promised, past tense, their promised land. It's not talking about heaven. It's talking about living that Christian life, that joyous and victorious Christian life. And so there again, you know, God, He wants us to move out. He wants us to move forward. 
not backward. Move forward in your Christian life. Move forward in your, in your church life and always want to be on the front lines. Battling Satan on a daily basis. Well, lastly, they come to a place called Kadesh Barnea. Kadesh Barnea represents the decision point, a decision point. Now, they've been in Egypt. God's delivered from Egypt. They, through the Exodus, they went through the wilderness. Now, they, there's Canaan. They're facing Canaan. They hadn't got to Canaan yet. They come to Kadesh Barnea. Kadesh Barnea was about 90 miles south of Jerusalem. And so they're on their way. And when you read that and you, you think about, well, why did it take 40 years? Now, follow me now. Why did it take 40 years for those children of Israel to get to, to, get to Jerusalem, to get to, to get to the land, the promised land, Canaan land? When you go and you read and you kind of calculate some numbers there, you'll find out that it should have took 11, 11 days. You hear me? 11 days to move from Egypt to the wilderness and to the, God, to the promised land. But you know what? You know what the Bible says? It took them 40 years. Now that's one year for every day. That when Moses sent the spies out in Numbers chapter 13 and chapter 14, he sent the, ten, the 12 spies out. He said, don't you go over and spy out the promised land? And they were gone 40 days, weren't they? And they came back. And uh, you remember the story how it went? The first ten spies got up and they testified what they saw. <laughs> I tell you, it had to be a lot of bad for that bunch. And that first ten spies, you remember what they said? They said, yeah, it's everything, Mo, or Joshua. It's everything, or Moses, it's everything that you said it would be. But there's mighty giants in that land. Moses, there's mighty giants in that land. Now, they didn't remember a thing about what, how God delivered from, Moses, from the Pharaoh, the powerful Pharaoh, or God dividing the Red Sea, or God crossing over the Jordan. All the battles that God fought for them, they didn't remember not one of them. You know why? Because they was on the human side. They was looking at things through the human eye and not the God eye. And I know the Bible says that in Proverbs 29, 18, where there's no vision, listen to me, where there's no vision, people perish. Now there's people in every church that has no vision. Let me say this real quick. I'm going to have to get on here in three minutes. I'm not going to make it, Brother Cal. I'm going to try. People with no vision of what you call the cold water committee. People with no vision to go forward are the cold water committee. It's just like they used to, if some of you older folks may have had a farm or worked on in a farm and, and you plowed an old mew and you had to put blinders on him to keep him going straight, you know. We didn't look at things on, the, on his side to interfere in him and get his, uh, distract his attention. That's the way a lot of Baptists are. We walk around blinders on him. Now those blinders can be a good thing as a Christian. When our vision is sharp, it's upon God and upon His Word. That's good. But when your vision gets blurred because you don't believe God, and because you refuse to follow your leader, the shepherd, 
And there again, Sammy has not told me say a thing. I just want you to know that right now. But I pastored 22 years in all churches just alike because we're all human. That's all, because we're human. Vision. God casts the vision. First, he gives the vision through your pastor. You don't have that problem here. Sammy's got the vision, and you wouldn't be where you're at today. And many of y'all follow him because you're good followers. You're good disciples. You're good Christians. But maybe not all of you are on the wagon going the same way. And y'all be going the same way. Listen, folks. Satan will use anything, any little thing, to cause a hindrance to the work of God. Do you believe that? It don't have to be much. It can be, well, you know what? Terry didn't sing the right song this morning. <laughs> I've heard it all. Well, that's the devil. When you lend your, lend your mind to the devil this morning instead of the God, that's what you're going to hear. Your vision needs to be sharp. Well, these ten spies, they came back, and so they canceled Moses and the people there, and this is what they said. No. I advise you, I advise you, Moses, that we go back. That we go back to slavery under Pharaoh. You know the story. But thank God for the other two spies. <laughs> thank God for the other two spies, those Joshua and Caleb. And when they stood, you know, they, this is what they said. This is scripture. It says, sure, there are giants in the land. But we believe our God's bigger than those giants. We believe our God's bigger than those obstacles. Every church has got obstacles. Rope bearers, if you will. We believe our God is bigger than those obstacles and those rope bearers. And we believe we can go forward as long as we go in the name of Jesus. And we're obedient to Him. Now, He'll bless us and bless our church. Well, uh, as some said, you know, I heard one guy say that uh, the children of Israel, they had to be Baptist because immediately they had a business meeting. <laughs> they had a business meeting. A guy told me one time, a preacher friend of mine, he said the most, most dangerous thing in this world is a Baptist business meeting. And I won't get any further than that, but you knew where I come from. But, uh, you know, oh Moses, he went into a business meeting, Kyle. He went to a business meeting. This is what he said. Maybe, maybe he had to use your imagination, these things. And he said, uh, all right, everybody in favor, everybody in favor of going on into the candle line, candle line, say, hey, two voices. Two voices, all he heard. That was Joshua and Caleb. But then he said, all you oppose us moving on toward candle line, let it be known by saying nay. And it was like a volcano taking place. It's like a rushing mighty wind. It was like water. The sound of water. Nay, nay, let's go back. Let's go back the way it used to be. You heard that before? Man, I have. Years ago in a church I was passing, we were growing and had a little small then we were growing. People were getting saved about every week and, and um, it got crowded. <laughs> it got crowded in the church. And this person called me one Sunday after church. Called me and said, Brother Richard, we just want to be a little Baptist church. And I said, well, dear sister, it's okay to be a little, little Baptist, or be a Baptist church, but it ain't okay to stay little. 
Because the Bible, through God's Word, He's given us a commission. That when we get saved, we receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have the message. And we become ambassadors. And we're to go in our community. And we're to be ambassadors. We'll be God's representatives. And we're to tell the good news that Jesus saves. Amen? And when you do that, people are going to come to Christ. And the church is going to grow. And you're going to have a problem because the family's growing. And I think of what it was. She's about to lose her position in church. Yeah, I hope y'all ain't like that. Because y'all look spiritual. But that's what it was. You've got to be growing up in Christ. And so, it's at that point that I think God looked down and He was disappointed. He was disappointed in that meeting. You know what He said? Yeah, you know what He said. God said, okay, if you don't want to be obedient, if you don't want to follow your leader, your, pa your pastor, your undershepherd, whoever he is, then I'm going to let you stay out in this wilderness at Mount Sinai, to put him out Sinai. And I'm just going to let you lap that mountain. And I'm going to let you lap it and lap it and lap it until they lap it for 40 years. And you know the scripture says, God says, not one of you adults will go into Canaan land except two. The two who believe God, Joshua and Caleb. Now listen, folks, if you want to be like someone in the Bible, be like Joshua and Caleb and believe God and always go forward carrying out the ministry God has given you to carry out and do it with all your heart, mind, and soul. And then lastly, you know, the Israelites, they only came to Kadesh Barnea one time and they had to make a decision. And they made the decision. But I believe as Christians, as individual Christians and as, a church, as churches, I believe that we come to a lot of times in our life where we have to make decisions, don't you? And one of those are this morning. You're going to make a decision this morning in your mind, your heart. I'm going to go forward for Christ. And I'm going to pray, Lord, help me to be a victorious Christian. Lord, help me to go forward carrying your banner. Or are you going to say, no, Lord, I'm just going to go back. Now, there's a lot of experts writing books. And I've read some of them. And, and one guy wrote a book. He says, uh, talking about churches plateauing. Well, I disagree with a church plateauing because a church never comes to a point where it quits growing and it stays the same. It never does that, does it? You're either going up or you're going down as a church and you're that way as a Christian. So that's the challenge this morning. We're fixing to have an invitation and Kyle's going to come in just a moment and the musician's going to come. And uh, this is the invitation. If you're a Christian here this morning, and you've been holding back for some, some reason, some little reason don't amount to a hill of beans, you're holding back on someone or whatever, you need to lay that on the altar. And this is what you need to say. Lord Jesus, I'm so ashamed. I'm so ashamed that I've let this little thing in my life become a mountain. It started as a molehill, but now it's a mountain. And it's kept me, God, from seeing you and understanding you and going forward in your name. And God, I'll lay this right now at the altar and remove it from me because I want to be a victorious Christian where my life counts. And when God decides He wants to take me out of this world, I want people to miss me, not as a, as a businessman, not as a, a coach or whatever, 
but miss me as being a Christian in this world where my life affected other people's lives. How about it? And then some of you sitting this morning, you've never given your life to Christ, and so you're still down in Egypt. You're still lost. You're still in bondage to Satan. And I'm going to ask you to come this morning, and you just come forward, and you tell Brother Kyle, Brother Kyle, I want to give my life to Jesus. And I want to be born again today. And he'll take his Bible, he'll pray with you, or go in the council room, whatever you do here, and show you exactly what you need to do to give your life to Christ. And then they'll put you on the right road, and they'll serve you, they'll pray for you, they'll work for you, and they'll teach you, and preach to you, and all those things. And that's the invitation. Let's stand to your feet, every head bowed, and every eye closed. Lord, this morning we thank you for the Spirit of God that's here this morning and the freedom of the Spirit to work in our hearts and minds. We thank you for the Word of God, Lord, that you've given us to instruct us, to warn us, but also to encourage us. Now, people, I pray that each one here this morning, we're all at a decision point in our life. Help each one of us to make the decision that bring honor and glory to your name. It's in your name we pray.